this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host ji sampath since last april five states rajasthan chatisgarh jharkhand punjab and himachal pradesh have informed the center that they would be reverting to the old pension scheme some analysts have even said that one of the reasons for the congress victory in himachal was its campaign promise to go back to the old pension scheme now at the same time the center has warned that this move spells fiscal irresponsibility and some economists have even said that it could lead to a scenario of defaults on pension payments and reports indicates that some state governments which announced their intent to go back to the old pension scheme now are having second thoughts so what exactly is the difference between the old pension scheme and the new pension scheme which was introduced in the early 90s why do employees want the ops while the center is pushing for the new pension scheme or the nps as it's come to be called and realistically speaking is the ops sustainable in the long run or will it bankrupt state governments we try and answer these questions in this episode of in focus and with us today is dr rohit azad who is a faculty at the center for economic studies and planning jawaharlal nehru university new delhi rohit thank you so much for joining us thanks thanks ampal so rohit to start with can you give us a quick overview of the difference between the old pension scheme or ops and the new pension scheme or nps as it's called so put it very simply the old pension scheme was a non contributory pension scheme with a fixed you know return when you retired so whatever has been your working uh, uh, time at the time of retirement whether it was 60 or 65 you get an assured pension which is linked to the last pay you drew so that was the old pension scheme the new pension scheme is essentially a contributory market indexed fund so or market based fund so you contribute government contributes with that money which is invested in uh, different schemes some government schemes some mutual funds so depends on proportions and all of that and at the time of your retirement so over a period that corpus bills and at the time of the retirement whatever may be the price of uh, those uh, assets whether debt fund or uh, Uh, or equity fund uh, is what your status or the value of the fund is going to be now it's true that you need not withdraw all of it but at the same time uh, when you require the fund the return uh, on that would depend on the market prices at that point in time now there are problems with that which may be uh, may come to but one one quick thing that i would like to Uh, add here uh, which is where the difference wh- why the employees are asking for the old pension scheme and the government is not necessarily in tune at least the central government is not uh, if you look at the pension scheme uh, in the first world which is very similar to in fact uh, exactly like the uh, nps during the global economic crisis the pension funds lost about 5 trillion dollars because of this uh, crash in the equity uh, prices now those who were in that cohort who were retiring at that point in time you know this was on paper uh, in the sense that these unless you sell those assets the valuation has not really decreased but the point is when you see the stock market crashing and your pension fund crashing the possibility of you doing so increases so you will actually sell those funds so there was actually a genuine loss Uh, and which is why the fear among the employees sorry for a longish answer but yeah 
right i mean this kind of a market crash uh, affecting the total uh, you know value of the pension fund itself could ha- could even happen with the old pension scheme right it not necessarily with the new pension scheme no not really because old pension scheme has nothing to do with the market so let's say if you retire with a salary of a certain amount then the government would be paying you so it was not invested in the stock market government has, has assured you that at the time of your retirement you're going to get let's say x percent of the last salary drawn uh, so if you were drawing let's say uh, 1 lakh then you'll get 30000 i mean just giving you an example uh, which is an assured it no 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 that's fine no no i understand the difference in terms of the fact that in ops in the old scheme you you have a defined benefit regardless of whatever is happening in the external world and you don't have to contribute okay unlike in the new one where you have to contribute and the and what you're going to get when you retire is not defined in advance it depends on the market that's right that's right is that right yeah so so what i'm asking you is in the old pension scheme the government is collecting money as in government is accumulating a corpus from which it will pay out right this corpus is it not going to be how how do you ensure that this corpus's value uh, is stable is it not going to be invested anywhere is it just going to be sitting somewhere in earning interest no so this is depending on the tax revenue which is where uh, you know uh, the, the point that this is going to bankrupt the governments and all that so it is not dependent they are not necessarily building i mean they could but they are not necessarily building a corpus okay they don't they don't build a corpus no they don't need to so you just get the tax revenue in that particular year and a certain percentage of that is given out as pension exactly the reason why the central government is saying this is going to bankrupt the so it's not linked to the stock market at all Okay, neither is a corpus involved here in the whole pension scheme. Not necessarily. I mean, the state governments can decide to, but it's not. Requ- I mean, it's not mandatory. Let's say for the state governments to build a corpus. Corpus may help, but if you assure a return, then you have to give it some way or the other. Okay, so now there is this entire debate happening between the two schemes, and one uh, one big sticking point is the fact that you know many of the beneficiaries, the central government employees, especially civil servants who get like very good salaries, even professors, if one may say so. And why should it be non-contributory? Why can't they contribute as well? Because that's the that's the sort of a standard around the world, right? So would 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 it be okay to have a contributory? scheme with maybe a defined benefit is that would that be an improvement to the old scheme yeah absolutely i mean i would agree with that i think you see some of the problem is not at least the uh, the problem with the uh, new pension scheme is not so much as which of the two is contributory i'm sure the employees would not mind uh, giving a contribution to their own pension the problem is the assured nature of that so you know you get I mean, after all having worked for 40 years uh, at the time of retirement if you're um, you know dependent on the vagaries of uh, the stock market is not necessarily a good space to be in uh, it is that which people are questioning it's the assuredness of the pension which is a big problem which is what they are demanding not so much as whether it is contributory or not so i would go with you uh, contributory contributory but an assured return a assured pension not return yeah right so now that uh, it's it's very clear image must have been clear right from the beginning that this new pension scheme uh, will not have an assured return and it will have an impact on employees and who are also vote voters so why did state government so many of them in fact all of them except one i think sign up for it uh, in the first place i think it was introduced i think in 2003 2004 or something so why why was it like so popular with the government that they took up took it up 
Yeah, so last last year of the Vajpayee government, uh, they introduced it. Uh, and why did they take it up? I mean, uh, one can only speculate. I don't know why they did that. But one is that it was a new kid in the block, so on the block. So you wanted to experiment. And it was in terms of, it's true that in terms of the burden on the state government, it, I mean, by definition, it would be lower, right? Because, you know, the, the, the employees themselves are contributing. So that could have been one of the reasons. And, and they wanted to experiment. But the point is, having done that, they are not trying to revert back to the old scheme. And I don't Unlike, uh, let's say, how it has been put as the Ravdi culture or uh, whatever have you, uh, I would say that this is a, a way of kind of responding to the contribution that you made. Whenever you say non-contributory, we only see contribution in terms of monetary contribution. I have basically, I mean, it's not about, uh, you know, government employee uh, alone, but you, you've given 40 years of your life that itself is a contribution, right? May not be monetary. So additionally, if you have monetary, uh, good. But to call it non-contributory, let's say at a philosophical level is not necessarily the correct thing to say. Right. Now, five uh, state governments, as, as I said in, in earlier on, uh, have announced their intent to go back to the old scheme. The center has reacted by warning that it's a fiscally reckless move. Uh, where is the money going to come from for the pension payouts? You know, are, the, are your tax revenues so high that you can afford to do this? And there is also uh, the GST factor, which has reduced uh, the kind of revenues which state government used to enjoy earlier. Also, the autonomy to sort of raise uh, revenues has come down. So in this scenario, is it like fiscally responsible to want to go back to the old pension scheme where you're basically relying on your tax revenues to do the payouts, which, of course, is a defined one. It's not something vague and subject to the market. But then why not question the, 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 the basis on which this is being argued? So, for example, the central government having arm twisted the state governments into a scheme of taxation where uh, decentralization has been completely thrown away uh, out of the window. Then you say that since it is not decentralized, the, the central government is putting uh, the burden of, you know, of these schemes for the state government to justify. Now, the point is you can revert back to a scheme where there is decentralization in tax collection, uh, where it is not a unique tax. So, yes, GST, uh, as the argument has been, GS, GST has made the whole taxation regime itself extremely centralized. So obviously, there would be a problem if you don't uh, distribute uh, the taxes as they should be to, to the state governments. It also, by definition, uh, ties the state government's policies, its politics, for example, to the central government, because you actually do not have the uh, space or the headroom to do things that you would like to do different from the central government. So in that sense, this is more and more a centralized regime in every sense of the term. So one tax, one nation effectively also means that uh, it's basically one state government which has to ally uh, with the policies of the central government. Why should that happen in a democracy? Uh, hence, the argument would be that it should not be the responsibility of the state governments alone. Yes, they are going for a policy of this kind, but the center should share the burden as well, in which case you will have to work if you want to keep the gst constant that that is where we are going to mobilize the funds from then you uh, the devolution of that could be done differently so why put the burden entirely on 
the state governments alone. I, what I'm trying to say is that there are ways in which this can be addressed. In this particular case, when the central government has imposed this kind of a taxation regime, to say that the state governments would go bankrupt it's an, is an unfair uh, thing to argue because you are the one who has made them bankrupt. So you shouldn't be saying that it, it would lead to bankruptcy. You relax them, they won't go bankrupt. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I think I mean the cooperative, the federalism angle, and the fact that you know GST is a centralizing force. I think that's 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 a that's a related debate, but it's, it's a different debate. Coming back to this whole pension scheme business. Now, the total pension bill, according to some estimates of all the states taken together for 2021-22, which is the last year before some of these states wanted to exit the old uh, the the new scheme. It is estimated to be around rupees four trillion, which is like twenty five percent of the tax revenues. Now, isn't that too high? I mean, living which means even if let's say they can pay it, okay, what will be left for other kinds of spending, social infrastructure, health, education, you uh, know, and stuff like that? Some of this figure one fourth or twenty five percent is actually exaggerated. You know, when the uh, figure is being calculated, you are only taking one part of the revenue that the states have. So they have four uh, different uh, uh, state revenues. One is the tax that they collect. The other is non-tax revenue that the states collect. Then there is a tax that the center contributes on behalf of the states, which which is SGST, so on and so forth, and a non-tax grant that the center makes. So if you collect all of this, which we have done, in fact, we wrote for the Hindu, uh, the number goes down by half. So 25% comes down to actually 11.7%. So the number itself that is being shown uh, in the media is, is an exaggerated figure. Uh, how actually what you should be looking at is uh, pension as a percentage of the total revenue, not just the tax revenue. Point number one. Point number two of pitting one scheme against the other. Why should the argument or the logic only be expenditure rationalization? Why should one not discuss it in terms of tax rationalization? I mean, look at the tax revenue that India has, and it's abysmal. We we were looking at the G20 countries. I mean, we want to be a superpower and all of that. And we are the bottom fifth in terms of tax revenue collection as a percentage of GDP, direct plus indirect taxes. And additionally, uh, India has one of the highest uh, indirect tax uh, to GDP, I mean, indirect tax to direct tax uh, ratio, which means A, we are collecting less tax, B, a large part we are collecting in a very regressive manner. Now, that is a choice that India has made. That is a choice that the government has made. Why would you not want to address in any ratio, there is a numerator and a denominator. Why would you only address the numerator and not talk about the tax revenue? You could do, uh, uh, I mean, one can increase the revenues multifold. One simple thing is the property tax. In India, if you look at the data on property tax, it was marginal, some uh, 0.125% of the GDP, 0.0125 actually. And uh, since 2016, it has completely been done away with. So instead of expenditure versus expenditure, I would say the, the debate should be expenditure versus revenue. And if you look at the debate in that with that lens, actually you can expand expenditure, not just on pensions, but other social schemes as well. This is a red herring, in my opinion, whenever this is posed as, you know, I mean, we don't have money, so uh, you're going to withdraw it from other schemes. No, absolutely not. You increase the revenue and then you, uh, then you uh, distribute it ac across different schemes. That can be done 
and uh, that's what a genuine welfare state should look like if we want to be one right i mean your point about uh, you know rather than looking at it as purely a problem of expenditure rationalization why don't we look at a tax rationalization problem i think that's a well taken point but having said that i mean is this really uh, the only factor here because there are also uh, pensions of other kinds which have stagnated for a long time no, nobody seems to be really talking about them whereas we are talking about a minuscule fraction i mean if you look at government employees even right from whatever secretary level to the bottom most whatever we look at the entire uh, population would be very a minor fraction of the total working population which is in the unorganized sector and uh, you have this non contributory pensions for the elderly for the widows uh, uh, persons with disabilities they are like 200 300 rupees per month i mean in this context is it like justifiable to sort of pay fund pensions from tax revenues of those sitting much much higher on the income scale i mean is that really something we should be looking at rather than you know looking at increasing the defined benefit pensions for uh, widows for the elderly which is like languishing what about raising those to 1000 rupees a month rather than asking for payouts from tax revenues in the old pension scheme so whenever this uh, argument is made of uh, them being the uh, the permanent workers who are uh, actually belong to the upper end of the income distribution versus the unorganized sector we treat this as a as a mutually exclusive thing as if one set of workers would get it only at the cost of the others in, in uh, instead one could argue it vis-a-vis capital i mean why not actually tax capital to benefit uh the workers the working class as a whole uh, and that is possible in fact evidence shows uh, globally that when the workers rights those who are organized who negotiate who bargain when their rights go up the overall um, well-being and the rights of the working class as a whole goes up because that's where the negotiation between capital and labor takes place that's a more general point the same thing would hold true for india i mean given the fact that there has been a huge rise in inequality and in wealth and income uh, you have no inheritance tax whatsoever so just to draw an analogy i mean in terms of contribution if i happen to be a son of adani or ambani i am not contributing anything except for the fact that i was born uh, into that family and and i inherit the entire property so why not tax that to use that tax revenue into distributing it across different um, uh, and i i i totally agree with you uh, to have a pension scheme which is rationalized but which covers the working people as a whole and not just a small section of the working class right i mean some would say that this is rather idealistic it's not going to really work out play out in the, in the real politic and in terms of you know, the policy consensus in the economic domain uh, that we see in india today and also elsewhere what do you what would you say to that i mean any good idea comes out of out of idealism first of all and uh, i think that this is not really unrealistic i mean it depends so it's not as if the ideas are lacking well, what if a state government what if a state government goes bankrupt like sri lanka went paying all this sri lanka lowered taxes probably did the right thing and then they went bankrupt what if that if, if we end up in that kind of a situation or a defaulting situation no but but my point would be that that would not happen if the center were not to behave in the way it is behaving so if you if if you constrain if you tie their hands up then yes it may be possible that they would not have 
although i don't think that is going to be the case the revenue uh, collection is not uh, i mean the, the percentage that we uh, are looking at it's not one fourth to begin with but let's say you know just hypothetically that they are not able to pay it back the reason would not be that they went for this scheme the reason would be and i i mean maybe uh, i'm i'm making the same point over and over again uh, is the fact that they are not getting the correct share of what they should be getting of revenue if they were to then they won't go bankrupt and uh, you know take it taken to the extreme one could argue that any form of social welfare spending can potentially lead to bankruptcy so what so the state government should not have any independence in in policy by by that logic you essentially you know making the state governments just a replica of the central government how good is that for democracy no i i see your point here but again uh, the the the, the propon- opponents of the old pension scheme would wa- would i think point out that even let's let's forget about india even if you look at even other countries like for example japan or many other european countries the scandinavian countries where they do have a far more rational pension system old age pension and uh, you know pension for the working population with a with a defined benefit and so on there to given the even the natural process of you know demographic change you know where you have a, sh- a shrinking working population uh, with growing life expectancy having to sh- having to sort of support a, a growing non working elderly population even there there is some kind of a constraint which is like inevitable which you can't really sustain with an old pension scheme where you have a defined benefit and paying from tax revenue because are the economies doing so well that you can pay from you can generate the kind of revenues for which uh, from which you can do uh, these pension payouts uh so two things one thankfully the youth dividend is on our side so we are not in the same situation as as uh, the aging uh, population countries uh, secondly in terms of the uh, you know those who are in employment are the ones who are going to get pension to begin with so if the economy goes down the employment also goes down including in the formal sector Uh, so it's not necessarily completely disjoint from uh, the gdp but uh, let me let me be very clear i'm not saying that a pension scheme of the ops variety is the best i would totally go with the contributory scheme with an assured pension that is what i would argue for instead of these two extremes let's say uh, of of either the old pension scheme where there is no contribution or the new pension scheme which creates a lot of anxiety i mean after all the state's responsibility is to take care of both the non adult population the children as well as the elderly so what is the state's contribution in this case going to be if it's going to be just a market based thing then i might as well just invest my savings into uh, the which i do uh, into the stock market and whatever i get i get so what where is the welfare nature of this either we say that the state has no role whatsoever to play uh, in uh, the welfare schemes which is fine i mean then you say it up front uh, and and be done with any uh, social welfare scheme or you say that we actually want to be a welfare state in which case you will have to have schemes such as of this kind which is universally implementable um, for all section of workers with rationalization and contribution contribution at the upper end of the uh, of the income distribution and assured return without contribution at the lower end it it can be worked out right so you you are sort of i mean what i see you, you are trying to sort of uh, go in go, go in for a 
uh, a middle path between the old scheme and the new scheme where you you have uh, a contributory kind of a system but the benefit or the return is assured now how do you define this assured figure because what has happened in the past is that the pay commission revisions have ensured that the payout is pretty high so would you would you rather say that the payout should not be linked to the pay commission but simply indexed to inflation and whatever that figure is that figure should be the defined one is that how you would sort of frame it no i would say again a middle path here that you don't link it only to your last salary but you can do a weighted average of your salary across time and make that as the benefit which is indexed to inflation if that's the concern that one may have about last salary paid being very high uh, as far as the i mean and and by pay commission you essentially mean as if it's a you know dole given out to people uh, universally in every sector if the incomes are going up you need to keep the pay structure as such where you get the brightest people in the public sector as well so pay commission is also trying to address that so one should not throw that out completely when looking at the assured uh, you know pension that you're calculating so i would say inflation index but also indexed to the income that you've drawn over the years right i think for we, we it's time uh, for us to wrap up roy so what i think we can take away uh, from this conversation is that we we should probably ideally have a contributory system uh, with an assured defined benefit which would be paid uh, from tax revenues and which is indexed both inflation and to the last drawn salary probably weighted over the span of uh, the working life of that person thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts and insights on this topic thank you thank you thank you sampath in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon